welcome everyone to Science Society and of course a special welcome to you um, Yi. and uh, so people get to know you a little bit um, let me just um, say where you are right now um, uh, Dr. Yi Liu is a, mar a marine biogeochemistry and um, she is at Irvine, California, um, in the United States, and uh, she, she um, her education was at the U at UC Irvine um, in Earth System Sciences, and um, sh uh, your recent publication was so interesting that um yeah that i felt like it would be really important to invite you and to to spread the word about your research and before we start how did you discover in your life that you wanted to become a scientist and go into research was it like a childhood dream or something that came later maybe through a class or teacher or family member that kind of sparked your interest Oh yeah. So actually, uh, when I was young, I like like many other like young children. We I have a dream to become a scientist, even though I don't know what scientist is. But I thought it's very cool. And then when I started my undergrad research in China, undergrad study in China, and I majored in environmental science, and I did some undergrad research in the around something about spring bloom in the coastal region of China. And then I started to feel like I should be the person who can be a scientist because I feel myself keep asking why when I have some questions until I get some answer that I'm satisfied with. Um, also, I feel I enjoy doing research. Uh, sometimes like I spend a few hours without notice, without realizing the time went by when I do the research. So I started to know that I should become a scientist in the future. And then I did uh, my master's study in China in physical oceanography. And then I started to notice I want a broader audience of my, of my research. And I kind of like switch my interest into a larger scale um, climate, uh, climate topics such as the ocean carbon cycle. So I came to the US, I joined uh, Dr. Keith Moore and Francois Primo's group in UC Irvine to do my PhD, to focus on the ocean carbon cycle. This is more relevant to the climate change, which is a hot topic, and it's also very relevant to human well-beings. I think that's kind of my motivation to be a scientist and also to start this project. Yeah, that's that's really interesting that you always had this um, interest and childhood dream and that you pursued it and you kept asking questions and being curious. It's also really nice to hear how you get so into the thought process and the work that you forget about time. It's really um, it's a really great sign that you are doing what you're passionate about. So congratulations to finding your path and um, and for doing this really important research uh, with you know a strong purpose um, 
it's really wonderful to hear. And was there, especially then for this research, was it really hard in the beginning, maybe, or was it like that um, that the work came out like you expected uh, it to come out, like that that your theory basically got confirmed, or was it in the beginning really hard? Whatever the little bit of background story is, is it's really interesting. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. So actually, at the beginning, it's not coming to the specific research. It's, you know, like once I started my PhD, I kind of like explore around, especially around what my advisor did. So in the first around like one to two years, I spent lots of time knowing what I want to do and what the specific research uh, project I'm interested in. And then I spent around one year to uh, develop a model. So that must be kind of like pretty hard for me. But then I got more used to more interested, more passionate about what I'm doing. And the question becomes more clear. The tool becomes more uh, much stronger. Then I feel like it, the things become much easier as I spent like first two, three years. So it naturally came out this for this, I mean, like this paper. Well, thank you for giving us this insight. And um, uh, it was really interesting pre-discussion, um, which leads us now to uh, you presenting your work. So the, the presentation is pinned on top of the room for everyone. Feel free to access it, and yeah, the stage is yours. Thank you. Thank you. Give me a second. Okay, so I hope everyone can see my slides. Since there is no no page um no no page numbers, so I would mention which which slide I am talking about. So my presentation is about the reduced CO two uptake and growing nutrient sequestration from slowing overturning circulation. And this is a recent uh, paper we have published in Nature Climate Change uh, last year. Uh, I should say this year, it's formally published this year. And the topic is more related to like in a warming climate, like how does the global circulation change and also how does this change could affect the ocean's ability capacity to take up CO2 from atmosphere. And also like what's the impact of the uh, circulation changes on the nutrient distribution in the ocean. So I picked this topic is because uh, uh, we are in a warming world. We are under climate change, but we are curious like how much carbon could be, uh, could be taken up by the ocean so that we will know how much carbon will be left in the atmosphere. So uh, this kind of uh, one of the motivation and also the other thing I am interested in the ocean nutrients is because um, the nutrients is a key factor that can control the phytoplankton growth, which the phytoplankton is the foundation of the marine ecosystem. So this is also an interesting topic. Um, the carbon and the nutrients 
kind of like they are uh, interacted with each other. And so they are um, all very interesting for me. And then I try to find out a way to combine them to, to uh, also like combine them with the changes of the ocean circulation this has been ignored by many people. And if we move to the next page, the second page is the background of my research. And if you can see the top, um, the top, uh, top row shows the CO2 emissions into the atmosphere, like where the CO2 comes from, where the human-induced CO2 comes from. And if you focus on the, on the bottom row, there is like where the CO2 left. So you see like, um, actually you, see, you can see like the ocean can take up around like more than 25% of anthropogenic CO2 from atmosphere over the pre-industrial era. I mean like from 1750 to maybe like 2012. So on the ocean, we can see like a strong carbon sink and it takes lots of carbon from atmosphere. And also we are interested in the ocean carbon sink because uh, sometimes we cannot clearly quantify the terrestrial, the land carbon sink. So by knowing better about the ocean carbon sink, which can also provide us uh, some like information about the land carbon sink. So this is uh, one important way for us to know the Earth system feedbacks and also like where the uh, atmospheric carbon comes from, where the carbon goes. So that's our um, like a general motivation, the general background introduction about this research. And if we move to the next page, the page three, you see there is a, there is a figure showing the uh, atmospheric CO2, atmospheric carbon in the right top corner. And also there are some ocean processes which can modulate the ocean carbon sink in the, in, in the bottom. So if you focus on the atmospheric carbon, then you can see like, um, in, term of, in terms of the natural carbon, I mean the carbon uh, level at pre-industrial error, we can see like the, in the black line, the carbon remains in steady state. That means without human-induced carbon into the atmosphere, the atmospheric carbon is in steady state. This is we can assume that there is no climate change. However, people kept um, uh, releasing carbon into the atmosphere, which can, um, which can introduce, which can, I mean, like increase the atmospheric CO2 concentration. If you can see from the yellow line, this is an exponential increase of the CO2 in the atmosphere. So that lead to a increasing atmospheric CO2 in our present day. And we are curious like how much this carbon come, uh, goes into the ocean and how the ocean processes can modulate this carbon sink. So if we see like in the, uh, if we see in the ocean, focus on the ocean, we see the total carbon in the ocean includes both the natural carbon and the anthropogenic carbon. If you see the left side, we see the natural carbon uh, can be modulated by the biological pump, which means the phytoplankton take up some nutrients. And also the phytoplankton uh, take some nutrients, take this carbon for their growth. Uh, and then 
transfer this carbon into the deep ocean, and this carbon can stay in the ocean for a certain time. And this kind of like nitro carbon or the carbon stored by the biological pump will also be driven, be affected by the uh, global overturning circulation. And if you focus on the anthropogenic carbon in the right side, we see like there is no biological productivity. Um, that means like the anthropogenic carbon can only be moderated by ocean circulation. And both the natural carbon and the anthropogenic carbon, they form uh, they, uh, the total, uh, the total shows how much carbon stored in the ocean. And so, so for this quite, uh, for for this study, we are interested in specifically how the ocean circulation could affect the ocean carbon sink and also the ocean the carbon distribution in the ocean. And then next slide, um, I think should be the the, the fourth uh, slide. We show that uh, in the in the figure in the left, we see there is an air CO2 flux from uh from present day to the future, like to the year 2100, under multiple climate warming scenarios. So climate warming scenarios means like in the future, we assume there are multiple different climate pathways that we can achieve. So we don't know what can happen in the future. So we are interested in multiple climate warming scenarios. And we see that there, uh, we see like in, in different warming scenarios, there is like the ocean's ability to take up carbon is different. But even though in each specific scenario, that means the atmospheric CO2 keeps prescribed. Even though in this case, the different models can still simulate different ocean carbon sink, right? So this kind of tell us the, um, even though the atmospheric CO2 in each model is the same, but there are still large uncertainties, which uh, the large uncertainties of ocean carbon sink, which we believe it can be driven by the ocean processes. So this actually uh, uh, directly motivate me to think, how do the ocean circulation changes could affect the ocean carbon sink in this uh, climate models under climate change? So let's move to our results. Uh, so the first result is the slowdown of global overturning circulation. So to make sure you are on the same page with me, I will first talk a, a little bit about what is the meridian overturning circulation. If you see, uh, I think now it's uh, page five, and if you see the uh, red bottom corner, there is a, 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 a figure shows what is the overturning circulation is. You see there is two overturning cells. One is in the upper cell, we call it AMOC, which is Atlantic Meridian Overturning Circulation. This is more uh, stays in the Atlantic, but there is also another uh, overturning, circulation, overturning cell, which is a basal cell of overturning circulation coming from the, uh, coming from the Antarctic coastal regions. We call it ASMOC. Southern Ocean Meridian Overturning Circulation. So this is uh, the two cells, the two overturning cells in the ocean kind of can modulate the uh, transport of the carbon and also the nutrient in the ocean. Uh, 
So first, if you move to the uh, if you move to the left part of this page, we see we show the changes of the global overturning circulation under climate change. The x-axis of all these figures coming from 1850 to the year 2300, and the uh, we see there are multiple warming scenarios from the most warming most moderate warming scenario. That means the atmospheric CO two can reach the reach the peak at around 2060. This is SSP1 2.6. And also the mid uh, moderate warming scenario, SSP2 4.5, which kind of seems the atmospheric CO2 will reach the uh, will will reach the peak will be the maximum at around 2100. And also you'll see there is a scenario called SSP5 8.5 which is the most, uh, the, the strongest warming scenario. That suppose people do not do anything to mitigate climate change, and uh, the atmospheric CO2 still keep uh, rising exponentially even though at the year of 2100. So for this study, we focus on these three warming scenarios. And first thing we are interested, we are, uh, uh, we are plotting, we are making some figures about under each climate in under each warming scenario, what is the changes of AMOC and SMOC? So we can see that from all these figures, we can see that the overturning circulation slows down both in the upper and the abyssal cell, no matter which warming scenario we are talking about. However, the strength of the slowdown will depend on the scenarios. The overturning circulation will slow more under high-end warming scenario, but it will slow less under uh, moderate warming scenarios. But if we focus, if we extend our study to the year 2300, uh, and if we focus on the SSP 58.5, there are only about five throw drop AMOC left um, in these scenarios. But if, if we see like at the bottom of the figure, the ice mark, which is the base overturning circulation will fully shut down by the end of twenty by, by the year twenty three hundred. So this figure in general talks about the changes of global overturning circulation under each uh, warming scenarios. So if we move to the next page, which is page six, we are interested in how these changes of the overturning circulation could affect the ocean carbon sink or the ocean's capacity to take up carbon from atmosphere. And we see there are two pathways that the circulation slowdown could affect the ocean carbon sink. So the first pathway is it is uh, affecting the carbon sink by affecting the carbon stored by the biological pump. Uh, as you can see, I uh, marked one, the first pathway in the, in the slide. And this is also by two separate processes. One is the changing of overturning circulation, the slowdown of circulation could affect the uh, biological productivity or the export production. This can affect the carbon stored by the biological pump. And the other way is uh, the overturning circulation slowdown could also changes the carbon, uh, the time that carbon can stay in the ocean. I call a sequestration time. This could also affect the 
the carbon stored by the biological pump. So the, the thing here is like if the carbon can stay in the ocean for a longer time, that means the biological pump could help the ocean to store more carbon because this carbon cannot be releasing back, released back into the atmosphere. And there is also the second way, the second pathway that the circulation changes could affect the carbon sink. The second way is called the solubility pump. The solubility pump is uh, not directly related to the biological productivity, and it is more related to the ocean's ability to take up anthropogenic carbon from the ocean uh, from the atmosphere. So for this study, we separately study we separately trying to research how the circulation changes could affect the carbon stored by the biological pump and the carbon stored by the solubility pump, and what is the net effect of overtime circulation slowdown on the ocean carbon sink. So let's move to the next page, the page seven. I hope this figure will not make you feel boring, but I try to make it easier to understand. So, um, there, um, so if you focus on the uh, panel A and panel B, here we show the changes of SMOC and AMOC, that means the overtime circulation in each CMIP6 models, in each climate model. So the y-axis here shows each climate model. Each climate model, we, pay, we have uh, 13 models total. And here then we show like the changes of overtime circulation in each model and also under each climate scenarios. So this is uh, the results is consistent with what we found uh, before, like in each model, we can see that under the high-end climate scenario, we have more slowdown of global overtime circulation, much uh, than the, I mean, the moderate warming scenarios. And then if you focus on panel C, this is the delta x-axis is the delta EP, which means the delta biological, the changes of biological export production. Um, this is uh, this shows the uh, the strings kind of the strings of the biological pump, and we see that almost all the models under all the warming scenarios show a decline of the export product uh, productivity, and also still like under business under strong warming scenarios, the decrease of export production is more uh, is more. Uh, it's much stronger than under moderate warming scenarios. So then we are interested like how much extra carbon could be stored in the ocean under the changes of the overtime circulation and also under the increasing atmospheric CO2. Then like if you move to the panel E, F, G, H, like the, the bottom four panels, four figures, we see that uh, we separately uh, sep uh, we separately study the ocean by the intermediate depths, which is like one hundred to two thousand meter, and also the deep ocean, which is like more than two thousand meter. And we see the left uh, E and G showing the preformed carbon accumulation, which means the carbon stored by the solubility pump, and the panel F and H in the right shows accumulation of regenerated carbon, which means the carbon stored by the biological pump. And we see from this figure, we see that almost all the models 
have increasing preformed and regenerative carbon. That means the ocean is keeping taking up uh, CO2 from the atmosphere by both the solubility pump and the biological pump. But if we focus specifically separate, uh, specifically uh, talk about the intermediate depths and the deep ocean, we not notice that the carbon, the preformed carbon, which means the carbon stored by the solubility pump, will accumulate more in the intermediate depths. However, the carbon stored by the biological pump will accumulate more in the deep ocean. And then if we go to the next page, uh, which is page eight, I focus on some, uh, some analysis about how the changing overturning circulation could separately affect the carbon stored by the biological pump and the solubility pump. So uh, if you focus on the panel A to panel C, this is under three warming scenarios. Uh, the relationship uh, between the changes of export production over the changes of ice mark uh, with the accumulation of regenerated carbon of the carbon stored by the biological pump in each CMIP-6 models. If you see there is a uh, there is some numbers, some random numbers in the figure, that means the specific uh, climate model we are using in this paper. If you are interested, you can reach out, you can, you can uh, look into the paper for more details about this model. So, uh, so let's back, uh, back, back, to the, back to the carbon stuff. We see that from panel A to panel C, they are all negative correlation. So this negative correlation uh, indicates that the relative change of export production at ISMOC um, will show the negative correlation with accumulated accumulation of the carbon stored by the biological pump. Especially, we see like if we uh, if we have decreased export production, if a one model can simulate more decreased export production, that means the uh, storage of the carbon by biological pump will also go down. This is as expected. And this other thing I want to mention is if we have more uh, slowdown of the overturning circulation, then at least in terms of the carbon stored by the biological pump, there could, uh, the, the ocean can, can allow this carbon to stay in the ocean for a longer time so that the uh, the slowly overturning circulation can allow the ocean to, I mean, like uh, the biological pump to store more carbon. And if we, let's move on to the panel D, E, and F. This part shows how the changes of overturning circulation, especially the ice mark changes, affect the accumulation of the preformed carbon, which is the carbon stored by the solubility pump. We see there is a positive correlation. That means the more slowdown of ice mark or the more slowdown of ice mark will lead to less accumulation of preformed carbon. This is also as expected, called uh, once we have like once we have more circulation slowdown, we anticipate that this uh, the actual carbon, the ocean, the, the anthropogenic carbon that the ocean takes from atmosphere will just stay in the ocean surface and does not have enough chance to move into the deep ocean.
this our this is our guess, but we trying to, uh, we trying to uh validate this assumption, in the future, and the last uh three the last row which is the panel G H and I, uh shows the changes of S mark, with the changes of the uh of the total carbon, we see the net effect is the slowdown of S mark the slowdown of S mark will reduces. The ocean carbon sink, and this is our key results of this figure of this paper. But also, I would like to uh to focus more on the carbon stored by the biological pump. So uh, we based on one specific climate model, and we develop an offline model which further is allows us to separately know the role of biological processes. And the overturning circulation into the total ocean ocean carb into the carbon stored by the biological pump. So if we move to the next page, page nine, we see in the figure four of our paper, uh, the left panels here, the left column here shows the total carbon storage in the ocean, accumulation rate in the ocean, and the regenerated carbon and the preformed carbon. We see from uh, this figure like all the ocean, uh, all the ocean depths is trying to take more carbon from atmosphere, but also we can see that more of the carbon stored by the biological pump, um, the regenerated carbon is gradually moving into the deep ocean. Um, if you see like in the middle, in the in the middle row, but for the preformed carbon by solubility pump. It's more just stayed in the intermediate depths, so that means uh, this is consistent with what we found from all the other CMF6 climate models. Uh, the most interesting thing is uh, in the right two columns. Here we show the changes. We show the accumulation of the nutrients in the ocean, and we in general we see the nutrients both for the phosphorus and for the nitrogen. They accumulate more in the deep ocean. But there are lies at the intermediate depths. That means the nutrients will be will be trapped in the deep ocean because of the slowdown of overturning circulation. What what's what what's the consequences of this? So the thing is, uh, if you remember, there is a export, there is a decrease of the biological productivity. This is kind of like due to the uh, nutrient trapping in the deep ocean. Because the overturn circulation will not allow much nutrients releasing back into the surface, which will allow the phytoplankton to grow. So the thing is, the nutrient will be trapped in the deep ocean, and the surface will be nutrient depleted. This will reduce. This will decrease the biological productivity in the ocean. So that's the goal of why we are also interested in the nutrient in this paper. And finally, um, let's move to the page ten, which is our uh, last key figure of this in this paper. This uh this figure this uh, this uh schematic showing how the overturning circulation affect the biological processes and the physical processes to finally affect the carbon stored by the biological pump. If we we'll focus if we focus on the left panel. 
there is a carbon uh, carbon stored by the biological pump in the steady in steady state. I mean pre-industrial, uh, in pre-industrial era. We see that the biological uh, the biological carbon export and the ocean uh, the circulation the the carbon's removal by the circulation uh, is balanced with each other, leaving the net carbon accumulation rate uh, to zero. That means the ocean is in steady state and the biological uh, processes and the physical processes they are balancing with each other. But as time goes by, if we focus on the 21st century, which is the year 2000s, we see that uh, the yellow part, we see the biological processes goes down compared to the pre-industrial level. However, this contribute contribute negatively to the carbon stored by the biological pump. However, the circulation removal, uh, the circulation processes, the circulation also goes down. So the carbon removal by by the circulation also goes down. We see the removal uh, also goes down compared to the pre-industrial. But if we combine these two processes together, we have a positive net carbon accumulation in the ocean. We see the night number here for the, uh, it's a positive number. That means the ocean, uh, the, the biological pump trying to store more carbon in the ocean under the slowing overturning circulation. And this uh, tendency also exists after the, uh, in the 23rd century after the year 2200. We still see the biological pump trying to uh, trying to store extra carbon in the ocean due to the global overturning circulation. But this is only specifically for the pathways in the biological pump. But for the solubility pump, we still have lots of unknowns uh, which need uh, further studies. And if we move on to the, of, uh, the last page, the last page is a short summary and conclusion of this paper. We see that um, uh, first, uh, the overturning circulation will slow down, but this, uh, the strength of the slowdown will depend on the scenarios. The overturning, will, overturning circulation will slow more under high-end scenarios and less under moderate warming scenarios. And uh, the second thing is the slowdown of global uh, overturning circulation will uh, actually will increase the capacity of the biological pump to store, uh, store extra carbon from the store extra carbon in the ocean. This is due to the overturning circulation will allow the carbon to stay in the ocean for a longer time to increase the sequestration time of the carbon stay in the ocean so that the, this could have like more carbon accumulation in the ocean by the biological pump. However, and the uh, slowdown for overturning circulation will reduce the capacity of the solubility pump to take up extra anthropogenic carbon from atmosphere. And if we combine, if we think both of the two pathways, the decrease of the solubility pump overcompete the increase, I mean, overcompete the increasing accumulation of the carbon by the biological pump leaving the reduction of the ocean carbon sink. So uh, the uh, key conclusion here is the slowdown of overturning circulation will finally reduce 
the ocean carbon sink at least to the year 2100 under each climate warming scenarios. So this study kind of provide a new positive feedback, uh, which uh, links the ocean and the changes of ocean circulation to the strength of the ocean carbon sink. And yeah, I think that's uh, the main point of my paper and I'm very happy to take any questions. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, sorry, I was bringing Akil up um, for this wonderful presentation and the work uh, that you're doing. Um, it's really um, so important and really interesting. Um, so thank you for sharing this here with us. And I wanted to give Eli and Akil uh, the chance to ask questions first. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, great presentation and, and uh, really great work. Um, uh, so uh, a few questions. Um, do did you or are you aware that the the model results that you were using um, take into account the decreasing solu carbon dioxide solubility with um, de with decreasing pH with acidification? Uh yeah 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 that's uh that uh that's a uh, that's a good question but it um yeah so the decreasing pH actually contributes a lot to the carbon sink and this is uh, uh this is implicitly included in the um uh in the climate models I mean like the decreasing pH will automatically affect uh, the ocean surface ability to take up carbon from atmosphere due to some chemical um, chemical processes. And this decreasing pH also depends, highly depends on how much carbon the ocean already takes from the atmosphere. Yeah, you are right. So decreasing pH is also a key factor that could uh, affect the ocean's ability to take carbon from atmosphere. But it is um, uh, but yeah, but for our for this study, we focus more on the circulation side. Okay, yeah, because uh, I mean one one thing that is is uh, kind of concerning is uh, whether whether there's an additional feedback mm -hmm. um, due to the the reduced biological pump, which means that. Uh, um uh the the inorganic carbon is is what contributes to uh the reduction in ph right so if mm -hmm. if there is less of the biological pump and more of the of the uh um solubility pump then the partition of of where the the carbon dioxide is or the carbon is going and how much of that contributes to increasing uh, acidification, right? That that shifts, and um, I mean, I, I'm sure that's difficult to tease out, but I think it might be important. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So the yeah, if your point is acidification on the biological pump, especially on the biological productivity, I agree with you. It's it's hard to te uh, tease out from our climate models, and also I'm not quite sure if our models have considered. The, uh, the the 
the impacts of ocean acidification on biological processes. I'm not sure how much they consider in the model, but uh, this contribute to, but yeah, yeah, agree with you, but this contribute to the biological pump, especially by the biological processes, biological side. And um, yeah, and for, for the, the role, but, but the thing is like, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of like the role of overturning circulation will outcompete the decrease of the biological productivity, especially on the carbon stored by the biological pump. But yeah, well, what you mentioned, it's an important point in the models, but it's hard to tease out. And, and similarly, um, um, do you have a feel for how well the response in uh, net primary productivity uh, will depend on the changes in nutrient distribution. I think that that's kind of nebulous, but I think it's important to understand, you know, if 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 it's not uh, poorly known that that things could potentially be worse than than what you're already showing. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's also a good great question. Uh, so the night primary production, so. Also, I, I, I need to clarify first, what I showed here is the export production, which means the, the carbon uh, sinking at the depths around uh, 100, uh, 100 meter. Uh, it's kind of like biologically it's different, like it's different from the night primary production. But uh, in terms of the night primary production, uh, there is no much agreement on the sign of the changes. Because the net primary production, one thing it's definitely it's affected by the nutrient level. Because the surface nutrient will definitely goes down. This is pretty clear in our study due to the I mean like due to the overturn circulation. But also, if we focus on the net primary production, the nutrient just one of the key factor. Also, like the um the, I mean the phytoplankton itself can. The phytoplankton itself can also have some uh, have some mechanisms that could uh, allow them to adapt to the low uh, nutrient levels. So this can kind of like compensate some of the negative effects by the nutrient levels in the ocean. So that kind of like uh, some studies argue that the net primary production uh, will not go down. But in terms of the export production, which I focus more in this paper, the export, export production have a higher chance to go down because it also, it depends on some other biological processes, but that is more certain across all the same climate models. I, I hope this answers your question. Uh, yes, I, I think it does. I'm gonna have to dig into that a little bit more. and I. Mm -hmm. I forward to, to going and reading your paper in greater depth, depth. but uh, thank you very much and, and obviously keep up this work, it's really important. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, Akil, do you want to ask a question? Yeah, yeah, sure, if, if uh, there's time. Yes, of course, yeah, go ahead. All right, okay, so, 
Yeah, uh, Dr. Liu, thank you so much for your presentation. It, you know, it was really thought provoking. So, I have one general question. So, uh, you know, given the complex uh, interactions uh, between the uh, physical, uh, chemical, and uh, biological processes in the ocean, uh, how do you think the incorporation of uh, more advanced understanding of these uh, interactions, such as uh, microbial feedbacks and the um, the influence of uh, you know mesoscale and uh, submesoscale processes could affect our estimates of uh, ocean carbon sink uh, dynamics. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great question. So the microbial uh, processes. Uh, actually, I I have to admit that in my study, I didn't focus on the microbial or the mesoscale and submesoscale processes for a few reasons. So microbial processes is very important. But it's not uh, fully understood, especially in fully incorporated in the climate models. Most climate models kind of like simplified some microbial or even other biological processes. So it's it's very important. But uh, currently, I mean, the state of the art or system models does not have many. Um, as far as I know, they do not have uh, much. Uh, microbial processes considered in this in their models, maybe because of the expensive computational cost, or kind of because of the microbial processes are not very well understood. And in terms of the mesoscale and submesoscale processes, this is very important in the carbon export, or I mean, like the carbon transport, because it directly related to the ocean circulation. And again, these two processes are pretty like smaller scale processes, and the Earth system model, uh, the Earth system model have the parameterization scheme for the mesoscale processes, but most of the model just ignore the submesoscale processes. This kind of one of the possible reasons that why the Earth system models cannot simulate the overturn circulation very well. But there must be also other other processes. But in terms of my study focusing on the state of art uh, climate models, these processes are important, but not are fully considered or incorporated in their models. Okay. Uh, do you believe that like integrating uh, like AI driven approaches could potentially like revolutionize the the way we approach uh, ocean and climate research you know ultimately uh, leading to more accurate uh, predictions and effective uh, mitigation strategies yeah definitely i i have a strong belief that uh, ai uh, can help a lot understanding understanding both the current climate processes and also i mean like the future pre uh, predictions yeah, especially sometimes the AI can save lots of time and energy to do the done, like to do the traditional, I mean, process-based models. Yeah, I believe that. Great, great. So yeah, thank you so much for, uh, you know, for answering uh, questions. I just have one suggestion though, like, um, uh, it, if you can explore, you know, the potential for uh, collaboration with, uh, you know, other researchers uh, focusing on the role of uh, marine ecosystems, you know, especially those uh, 
uh, studying the response of uh, key species, you know, to changes in nutrient availability and carbon sequestration. Uh, I think that would be very, very helpful, you know, especially bridging the uh, gap uh, between the ocean uh, biogeochemistry and, and marine ecology, which was kind of my first question, I believe. But yeah, other than that, your uh, research is really, really amazing. I wish you all the very best. Thank you. Yeah, I see that Lubna, John, and Frank joined the stage. Please go ahead and PTR order. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for the nice talk. Uh, very interesting. And I join also the Eli and, and Akil for the for their questions. Uh, actually, uh, my last project was related to uh, cyanobacteria, which actually you know it's phytoplankton, as this is the most important organism uh, for I would say who synthesize oxygen in the world and the, on our planet, and also is the absorbent of CO2. So basically, it's the only bacteria which is making the photosynthesis. And I was my project actually was more focused on uh, stress uh, conditions and these bacteria and the whole uh, genome and transcriptome re I mean, transcriptomics react and of course proteomics and uh, this aspect. So I'm quite also surprised somehow how uh, these uh, uh, stress conditions were not taken in consideration in case of your model, for example, pH, uh, how the bacteria react in, in, in different conditions of pH. It's amazing how the whole transcriptomic change or, or for example, iron or, or nitrogen or heat shock and many, many conditions which should be taken indeed in consideration because this is cyanobacteria is one of the important uh, 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 organism I would say uh, uh, which which absorb carbon and also which uh, uh, produce oxygen in this way and uh, this is one uh, I, I think you already answered somehow uh, or partially uh, that then it, it's uh, I, I yeah we'd be grateful we can add some some aspect and another thing Achil, about um, AI AI is is uh, widely used in, in in biology and climate and so on so this is nothing surprising we were using that since already more than 20 years ago and i think this is because i'm new in this in this area of bioinformatics which are actually started around 10 years ago but i believe people started more more than 20 years ago and and this is basically how we do predict for example if you know uh, proteomics if you know for example proteins how they are folded there is one alpha fold this is just one example alpha fold software which is based in ai to predict how uh, the the proteins actually they are folded or uh, many many uh, uh, software which are used using AR, for example, to uh, catch SNPs uh, or, uh, uh, yeah, so, or for example, when you do transcriptomics, we want to classify what you want to cluster. So it's all, all everything which is based on machine learning and, uh, and uh, as I said, yeah, on AI. And thanks a lot for the nice talk. Thank you. Yeah, I, um... I I agree I agree uh what what you said and uh but in in terms of your first concern yeah we didn't consider much much stress in the in the climate models also in our study I feel uh, this is kind of yeah I agree with you there are lots of important uh processes we are not in, include uh, we are not include. Uh, we, yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of like if we, for, you, 
it depends on the depends on the study that like if we focus on one specific model, there are some studies both including clearly including this kind of cellular or like processes, biological biological stress, and then study some like more uh mechanistic um um understanding thing. But in terms of the climate models, I mean this import all these important processes are hard to incorporate into the climate models, especially for some because of the computational cost or the the cost by the development. So I think it depends on it's it's important, it's very important processes and it's very important to incorporate, but it's hard to incorporate it in the state of our climate models. Yeah, but I agree with I agree with your point. Okay, thanks again. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Hi, thank you for the uh, wonderful talk. Although I joined this uh, your talk a little bit late, so uh, I'm actually not sure. See, so you just use the model to calculate the see uh, uh, to, to find out to see the results that uh, slowing uh, ocean flow would uh, decrease the uh, CO2 up, uh, absorption. Uh, did you actually perform any kind of experiment to uh, confirm your results or is it possible to do some experiment to directly actually measure these things? Uh, that's a good question. So actually, um, for my study, cause I focus on the future ocean carbon sink. That means, uh, I I focus I most focus on like how much extra carbon could be taken up by the ocean in the future and how much this, uh, like how much the different, uh, storage of this carbon by different models could be driven by the different. Uh, slow down for overturn circulation in different models. Cause uh, we focus on the future world, it's not possible, like in terms of my study, it's not possible to do the experiments or the observational thing for the future. But uh, currently, we do have lots of, lots of observations of ocean circulation. But you know, like doing the uh, doing the observational um, study is pretty expensive, and so the observation observational data set is sparse, and the only thing we can from current observational data set is the circulation is really slowing down in the recent decades. But how this can relate to the strength of the ocean carbon sink? It's hard to it's hard to distinguish from all the from all the other processes and especially in terms of the sparse observations. So it's a good topic, but it's kind of hard to do that. Yeah, yeah. because there are so many factors that affect the CO two absorption by the ocean water, and see just I. Put, post on uh, the uh, see the message. It just see temperature, uh, uh, air uh, atmosphere pressure, CO two uh, pressure, 
and see you have plants, micro and animals. And another thing is with the see uh, temperature, a global warming effect. And then so there will be lots of those uh, uh, ice, see like uh, melt and then release into the water. So those might also uh, increase the see, volume of the water which absorb carbon dioxide. So there's so there are so many factors that I just don't know how theoretically you see people can put all those factors inside to make a model. And I think probably the best way is just actually to measure it, to compare see see this uh, year to twenty twenty three to see twenty twenty four or twenty twenty two or it just I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that's how I look at the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's a good point. But yeah, again, it's hard to make all the observations, and also, uh, in the so the goal of the model is we can, is we can separate the processes. We can separate, uh, the different mechanisms, such as like you mentioned, the role of the temperature, the role of the circulation, or some biological processes. In the model, it's kind of relatively easy to separate the role of each processes, and we can quantify the role, quantify the contribution from each process, even though there are still strong uh, interactions between different processes. However, if in the observational world, if we do some like observational thing, it's hard to separate the role of each processes such as uh, you can uh, you can observe you can see there is a, a slowdown over time circulation in the past 20 years that's uh, you observe there is a slowdown of the velocity the decreased velocity but also at the same time you can still see there is an increasing temperature there is a decreasing pH there are lots of other things but they just coupled with each other and you cannot distinguish which process finally affect the ocean carbon sink. So there are lots of unknowns and and interesting topics, but we are still do not know very much. Uh, I, I'd like to just make uh, one additional comment. Um, uh, so of course, measurements would be would be best, but uh, in terms of of uh, glacial melt or uh, ice cap melt uh, contributing more volume to take up more carbon dioxide. Uh, at least most of that, you know, started as snow, which presumably uh, equilibrated with the atmosphere and took up uh, carbon dioxide in the first place. And unless it melted and there was biological activity to fix that carbon, um, it probably was already uh, acidified. So um, uh, you're not going to um, get any changes in the right direction, most likely based on those assumptions. Any, Thank yeah. you. Mm -hmm. any other questions or? Um, I think Frank, and um, did John get the chance to ask a question? Do you still have time? That's the the first thing I wanted to ask. <laughs> oh, maybe yeah, maybe I I I can I can take the last question. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who? who yeah. Go yeah. ahead. 
Um, yeah, thanks so much for covering this very important topic. I'm, I'm now a little bit confused. Did you kind of, uh, Eli, did, did you cover the... Uh, your, your mic just cut out. Oh, my mic? No, Frank. Oh, am I okay? Am I okay? Now you are. Okay, I just uh, asked uh, whether you have covered this question of the sweet water, of the influence of the sweet water already, um, because we have, uh, what is it, 1.4 billion uh, cubic kilometers of, of salt water, and then we have, what is it, um, uh, 35 million cubic kilometer of sweet water, of which 10 million, uh, what is it, no, million uh, cubic kilometers are, are uh, liquid and uh, 24 are kind of frozen. So I'm, I'm kind of interested into this, the, the, the effect on, on the uh, transatlantic circulation in particular. And uh, so uh, what do you think is this? And maybe Eli has asked the question and I uh, was stepped away when you asked. I, asked I, I, I was commenting on, on John's speculation that uh, meltwater from, from glaciers or, or the ice caps would create a significant additional capacity for carbon uptake. And I kind of think that that, that just won't help for the reason, for, because, because that started out as snow that was already equilibrated with the atmosphere. Well, I, I, I'm kind of, uh, and I'm putting the numbers again, right? So uh, um, I'm, uh, I'm kind of interested in the particular influence on the transatlantic uh, uh, circulation, uh, uh, because it, uh, or if at all, sweet water would have an inf uh, an effect if it if it melts into it. The numbers are kind of uh, sweet water is 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 really just a low amount, right? And uh, and uh, the the, uh, the places where it's frozen are the kind of Antarctica and Greenland in particular. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested into this question because I, I get asked this question quite a lot. So what what is the influence uh, of of sweet water to that? Without putting any suggestion into that, uh, I I hope I understand your question correctly. So you are interested in. Uh, what is the consequences of having this melted, uh, um, this like fresh water, uh, into into the ocean, right? If this is your yes. question, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a very interesting question, and uh, I I think there is so in terms of the ocean overturning circulation side, there is a recent uh, Nature paper. I think it just got published yesterday or two days ago. It talks about uh, they use a model to study the role of meltwater uh, input into the ocean on the on the ice mark the overturn circulation, and the, the conclusion of their paper is like the meltwater uh, the meltwater input into the ocean will finally uh, it will help it will slow down the global overturn circulation compared with uh, the models without without the meltwater inputs. But in terms of the ocean biological chemistry or the ocean carbon sink, um, I'm not quite sure because I haven't uh, done this kind of experiments or this studies. Um, but uh, my expectation is um, the actual uh, meltwater input into the ocean will uh, affect the ocean, will, uh, will make the ocean become more stratified. And also this, um, and 
yeah, and this will further affect the ocean's uh, nutrient availability and affecting the ocean's biological pump and further also the subrelated pump. But I don't, I don't specifically know the answer, the the impact to the ocean carbon sink. But because currently the model do not have really have these processes. So, so, so if I get your answer correct, there will be kind of two, twofold uh, reactions. So first of all, it will slow down due to, mm -hmm. to, to, due to the meltwater. And then in kind of a long uh, term side effect, which I would expect to be rather small because the whole sweet water thing is, is you know, it is just a tiny amount of the whole uh, water reservoir. So uh, but in, in, the, in, the, in the secondary effect, it, it would be in the, in the long run kind of because it doesn't have um, the carbon dioxide in it, it would kind of make up for um, some of uh, the density that is already there. Of uh, yeah, I, I think I think your point is great. But I so, so the first, uh, like you just mentioned, uh, yeah, so uh, it will it will slow further slow down the overtime circulation. So from this side, I believe it will reduce the ocean's capacity to take up carbon from atmosphere. If uh, my, I mean, like if my conclusion is robust, that the slowdown of water circulation will reduce the capacity of the ocean to take up carbon. Um, but in terms of, like you mentioned, uh, it is a small fraction of water without carbon, uh, like going into the ocean. I don't think this, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I, I think, yeah, I think this part will not affect much into the ocean carbon sink because at your side it's just like a small fraction. I think most of the signal might come from the its impact on the overturning circulation. That's my point. Okay, uh, last question. Do, do you think there's a difference between the melting ice water coming from Antarctica and uh, the melting water coming down um, uh, from uh, Greenland into the uh, transatlantic uh, circulation? Do you think there are any differences because of the location that those ice sheets have? Um, it, it depends. I, I'm, not, I'm not very sure about the meltwater, but I think it depends on the location where the water... So in general, in terms of the streams of the overturn circulation, I think the effect should be the same that's my expectation. Like they both, they uh, the they both slow down uh, Southern Ocean overturn circulation and the AMOC. But specifically, if we are focusing on some local effect, I'm not quite sure if the effect is uh, similar or there are something update that uh, haven't been explored before. Okay. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much um, for um, you coming here and, and um, sharing your really important research with us. This was really amazing talk and discussion. We really appreciate it. And thank you everyone for coming and asking questions. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, Actually, like one yeah, thing. just one one final thing. So um, it's it's kind of your very last statement in, in the slides that uh, the slowdown of, of the SMOC um, reduces the car the ocean carbon sink. Yeah, so we you explained that really well. Uh, but the explains one third of the spread across uh, the CMEP six models. I'm I'm kind of wondering whether that's because uh, they don't they don't factor any of this stuff 
inexplicitly, and there's plenty of variation there. Uh, I, did did you just mean that the magnitude is a third of of the variation in the semic models? Um, because I I don't think that that you can rely on the semic models to explain to capture much of this at all. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So I I think I should have explained it clearly, and uh, so the point here is. So the point here is like, we yeah agree we we, we should not uh, fully rely on the CBM six models, but if we are uh, going into the far future and if you're going back to the to the, uh to which slide the slide including some correlation analysis, we see that the R square which is the R square is all around like one third especially. Uh, especially, I mean, focusing on the changes of ice mark to the changes to the side of the ocean carbon sink. So I say it, it explains about one third of the model spread. That means the overtime circulation slowdown can explain around one third of the variance across different climate models in terms of the ocean carbon sink. That's my point. Well, okay. So, okay. I mean, may, maybe this is kind of like a, 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 or this is a wording issue because, um, you know, the the models themselves uh, don't explicitly treat any of this, correct? Oh, uh, explicitly treat treat what? Sorry, I, I don't uh, get um, the the interaction of ocean circulation and. Uh, um, uh, bio, uh, biological production uh, or the solubility pump. Uh, I mean, like this is not. Uh, so the thing is, like the biological pump is defined. It, it defined by the. I mean, like, like here I mentioned biological pump means the the carbon stored by the biological pump. It's defined by yeah, like like I just mentioned. It's not explicitly related in the model, but the thing is like the circulation, the circulation will uh, directly affect the tracer, the nutrients in the ocean and then the export production. And also the circulation will automatically affect the carbon storage in the ocean, right? Because it allows, it depends like how long the carbon can store in the ocean before releasing back to the atmosphere and also how long the ocean need to take from taking from the carbon into in the surface to the from the surface to the deep ocean this is not is this i don't know how to define explicitly included in the model but the circulation naturally affect the nutrient transport uh nutrient and the carbon transport in the ocean I think that's a pretty strong relationship. Okay, yeah. So, so the, I mean, I guess a better way for for me to say it is that um, uh, this explains a variation. Your your results explain a variation, uh, or explain a, a, an effect that is a magnitude of a third of the variation yeah. in the models. Mm -hmm. um, but. But um, I, going further would would kind of suggest that that it's incorporated in the models, and it's just you're just kind of like, you know, get, explaining why the models are representing that when in fact no, it's the the models are representing that for for different reasons based on on their own inputs and, and algorithms. 
Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. But uh, there are something like old model doing the same thing. Like, uh, the circulation maybe the circulation is different in the model, but uh, old model agree that the circulation can transport the carbon, the nutrient to the ocean. I mean, like some basic law, uh, in the in the model are kind of like the same. And yeah, there are also lots of different processes in the model, and this processes are, um, I mean, like are combined or interacted with with each other. But uh, we kind of like simply by doing this correlation, uh, can kind of like give us uh, some inspiration, like the circulation changes could um, explain around like one third of the correlation, one, one third of the variance. But yeah, there are also other processes included. So maybe that's kind of the reason why the other two thirds are not being well explained. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's a very interesting topic. Maybe you can talk about and, it later. Um, if, if you, I, I think I mentioned this to you in the past, the, the preprint uh, by Jim Hansen and, and uh, a bunch of other people, including Leon Simmons, who, who sometimes uh, uh, on Clubhouse um, uh, from December. H have you seen that? Not, not really. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link to that. It's not directly yeah. related, but uh, um, they are also working on something relating to, at least Jim Hansen is working on something related to ocean circulation, which should be coming out sometime in the coming months. Yeah, 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 definitely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Great. So again, thank you so much for coming and for all the interesting questions, which sparked a really great discussion. Um, I wish you all the best for your research. And um, yeah, we will be following it for sure, uh, because as we said, it's really important and interesting. And uh, yeah, we wish you all the best for the future. And maybe we we'll hear you again one day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks. See you all soon. Mm -hmm. And everyone, uh, our next room will be um, about um, cellular mechanism was, that was detected that protects against stress. Um, it's it's kind of, I think, new progress made in the field of preventing things from happening um it wasn't really possible before because first you have to learn kind of what happens in a regular state and then you can start uh, stressing out cells and different cell types and then figuring out what the mechanisms kick in and how to prevent it so i think it's a really wonderful uh, new direction of our research field and I think it will be an interesting thing to learn. So I hope to hear you all and um, enjoy the rest of your day or evening or morning, wherever you are. Thank you. Thanks, Katerina. Okay, I close the room in three, two, one. Bye, everyone. Thank you. <laughs>